Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. I have my co-host here today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about story sizes. I imagine as a team, when doing story planning, you have to pick a number or a t-shirt size for your stories. How do you define those story sizes? Yeah. And when do they creep up? When do you find a two that actually is secretly a five or three twos or a 13? What have you? Yes. Or the huge number. We don't know. And today we'll be talking about that. How do we derive from those story sizes and how we can keep that consistency going forward? And also just keep delivering. Yeah. Cause at the end of the ship day, you got to, yeah, you got to ship it all the time, regardless of those numbers. Ship it. Oh, yeah. So before we continue, I imagine there has been situations on a team where you've received the story and you mentioned, oh, no, that is a big story. That is your number 13. That is your (laughs) double XL T-shirt. I imagine, William, you may have used dogs before. I don't know what big dog would be considered. Great Dane, baby. Great Dane. I don't know. But like if if we're doing planning poker, I mean, I guess if you have the cards, you can throw out a 13. That's like the king. Oh, in yeah. the deck or something. Oh. But normally if you're doing if you're doing hands, you don't have thirteen fingers. What do you do at that point? <laughs> you slam your foot on the table. <laughs> you just slam your foot on the table and your hands in the air. Yeah. And we, we talked a bit about that in was it episode three? Yeah. In planning meetings. All the crazy ways that you can estimate stories. But regardless, you know, a big story is a big story. And when is that big story too big? Right. I think over time, as the team get more familiar with what is a one or two, three or five, I'm using Fibonacci in my particular example, you then start to realize the things that make it a 13. There could be a lot of like unknowns in the midst, like doing a research on a particular third party API. Mm. There is maybe a whole ton of knowledge transfer because one developer had designed this whole thing and now this code stack needs to be the knowledge needs to transfer to amongst multiple people so that maybe first iteration of working on this piece of code could be a 13 man i don't know i've never worked on a story that's a 13 it may as well be infinity as as far as i know (laughs) just seems like the scope is so broad that you know you might need to take a breather and think if you can break it down into multiple tasks like if you're doing the knowledge transfer from the guy maybe there's a story just to get the knowledge and then you can work from there and figure out where to go. The only time I've seen people pull a 13 is when they either A, are pulling it to split it up into like smaller parts or B, they're pulling it to make a point to show that it was overestimated. Uh, yeah. I mean, those cards get rarely get reached, but when they do, it's probably one of those two bullets that you mentioned, William. Yeah. And then sometimes they get burned and it was not overestimated. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it was a one all along. All along. I mean, if you do get a 13, I'm going to call it an honest 13. I think what what you mentioned earlier, Dave, about potentially getting, breaking those stories down to do that might be helpful. An example would be if you had to do research on a particular API, you can probably spend time box like a half day on this particular thing. Yeah, spike it out. Yeah. I imagine that 13s are, are definitely variants between teams. Yeah, like the teams that I've worked on, I don't think we've ever thrown out a 13, but maybe 
there could be a team where 13 is a regular occurrence and it could be our three or five or what have you because it, it's it's like who's lying right the points don't matter yeah in yeah. a way on my current team we adopted a base four system so the smallest point value is four and then it goes eight 16 32 64 oh interesting and then so 64 is the equivalent of a 13 right i, I kind of like the the base two system it makes me nostalgic for gaming and you know <laughs> i guess also just nerdiness and programming in general yes. yeah so like yeah, that is a PlayStation Two. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Nintendo sixty four. Right. Yeah. It's a Dreamcast. Yeah. That 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 is a Game Boy, the retro Game Boy, the one you can throw and hurt someone. So it's much a toast. of a brick. Yeah. A exactly. Yeah. So I think most teams will have different variants. Like you guys mentioned before, I don't think if you threw out a thirteen, you were trying to make a point. Like that's how heavy that hand was. I mean, it's two digits, right? So like it shows that. It is a significant amount of time. But like usually if someone even threw out an eight, we would try to discuss how can we break that down to maybe like a three and a five or like into smaller parts. But a 13 is a, is an indicator that this must be broken now. Have you ever worked on a team that basically refuses to estimate a story above a certain number? Like has a cap for the estimation? As in like... If it's above a 13, you just pretend it's a 13? Or as in, if it's a 13, then we have to break it down? I think the ideal situation is that if it is above a 13, then you break it down. Mm. But yeah. I guess that could be a side effect of having a maximum number. Like if your maximum number is five, then maybe there's like a six or a seven in there. But like you're like, well, maybe it could be a five. And then you kind of mm. try to work with that. I yeah, see. it's like lazy. It's being lazy. Avoiding <laughs> breaking it down. Right. Although like I, a lot of cool kids these days are working on single point stories just all day. Or just not estimating at all. Hashtag no estimates. Hey, 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 watch out. <laughs> Hold on a second. I, I this, we're, we're going off a tangent on the topic of the, the podcast right now. <laughs> That's right. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> but like, no, we need stories. Stories are the way to go. No, I'm I'm kidding. But I do like the idea of just like knowing how much effort is going to happen before the work gets done because like you don't want to be surprised but there are times where you are surprised yeah and that is could be you know catch you off guard you kind of wasn't all these all these known became unknown unknowns and it's just like ridiculous so you get this crazy scope creep where a two-point story became a five like then what and what did what did that mean? What does the two mean now to the team? Like yeah. it's really really weird at that point in time. I think the thing that happens when when the story, you know, the two becomes a five is that there's additional features or things that you didn't account for. Like if you're trying to, you know, make a feature that's based off of date times, maybe you're like, oh, okay, well, there's a base base condition here where you know it's a Monday through Friday, but then. You know, what about Saturday? Yeah. What about like Monday on a holiday, on a leap day mm. and like daylight savings time? And then there's all these like little sub things that kind of keep on coming up the edge cases. Right. That you have to consider. And maybe you could break those off into different stories or maybe you could continue with the same story and expand it. I think the trick is is having the self-restraint to break it off and do it separately. 
because it's really tempting as a developer. You think I have all of this, all this context loaded up into my brain. It'd be easier for me to just do it now than it would be to make another story and potentially have somebody else do it later. Yeah. And that's 100% true. The problem is that you may end up spending so long working on all of those edge cases that you end up putting your time and energy into low value work at the expense of high mm-hmm. value work. Right. It's not work that was prioritized or promised at the beginning of the week necessarily. Like you may have have a certain understanding of what's important and you may have accomplished that thing. But now you're going down into like this land of perfection. You've really polished everything, every possible edge case and all the different features. Gold plating. Mm. Gold plating. So shiny. Do you feel like there are teams that like kind of have external pressure? to estimate a certain story and like how does the developer like have the ability to ensure that they're not being pressured to do so i've seen that so many times i can't even count (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it happens where it's like oh yeah that's like a two yeah so yeah put it two down we'll we'll deal with it later and then like i mentioned before two becomes five Mm -hmm. it's like often not even intentional but you just have a senior person who's in there like, oh, this is definitely a two, and everybody's embarrassed to say that it's not, even when the senior is wrong. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's why like planning poker is, like, I guess, interesting, because then everyone can actually have a say without, without really sticking their neck out too far or like being called out on it, and then people can explain why they feel that way. You got to be strict about not letting people poison the well by saying what their estimate is or, you know, generally what the estimate ought to be before the cards have gone out. Right. You got to do a one, two, three shoot, I guess, and then everyone can then throw it out at the same time. Yeah. I never realized that there were cards for planning poker until today. That's a, that's a today I learned. Ah, <laughs> today you learned that they were planning poker cards, actual cards. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. And like, uh, to actually keep it confidential because I, I know when you're like throwing out numbers on your hand it can be easy for people to like kind of subtly morph their estimate uh yeah <laughs> you know as they like kind of look around it's like oh well maybe two yeah oh one. yeah using your fingers right yeah, but now exactly. when you have to throw a card down <laughs> you can't t- c- oh, d- 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 you look like you've changed a number unless you're like david blaine then you might be able to do yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> So, David Lane, if you're listening, don't don't bring the cheat cards to planning poker. It doesn't help anyone. Stay out of my planning meeting. We actually just made some custom planning poker cards at my client today, me and my pair. It was super fun. My drawing skills are direly lacking. You wrote them on index cards? We didn't have index cards, so we folded stickies. Oh, nice. And you just wrote one to what? What was the the planning poker phase? Well, we're using we're the using four, games. Right? Okay, so there's like a go would be the equivalent of a thirteen pointer, or in our case, of sixty four pointer. Okay, mm-hmm. and then it goes chess, checkers, tic tac toe, and then hungry, hungry hippos. Oh it's the simplest man! Game. This is sim- just smash. You the just smash <laughs> the hippo until you get all the beads. Yes. So those folks who just want to do story size one all the time every day, they just want to play Hungry hungry Hippos. <laughs> so <laughs> Just smash it. Uh, I'm so hungry. Just crush it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a deck of the, I think, Mountain Goat Software planning poker. And it's like a full deck 
of cards and you can pass out cards amongst like your team. I think it comes for six people and it each has a one, two, three, five, seven, no, one, two, three, five, eight, 13. And then like the infinity symbol. So, <laughs> I mean, if you got something bigger than an infinity, then probably you're going to have two cards, but then you shouldn't get to that. Like 13 should be max. And then infinity is like, if you want to make that point that we discussed earlier, you know, you slam that infinity card. But is this discrete infinity or continuous infinity? Well, it's, it's just the infinity logo and it's bigger than 13 <laughs> and it's bigger than all the cards in the deck and it's bigger than any number, I guess. If you I know. feel like infinity, if you're throwing it down, it's like, I refuse to do this. This is physically <laughs> impossible because like if you're breaking down a 13, sure, you can theoretically break it down into, you know six twos and a one yeah. but you can never break down infinity it is always infinity oh yeah it, it is. is mathematical certainty right i mean that's probably is why that card exists <laughs> just to be like nope there's no way you can break down this <laughs> where it's like feasible for the mvp that we currently have. this is or or there's no way to do this ever like no matter what this is an impossible task yeah so i think one of the ways that the developers can communicate with the product owner or the project manager is when like scope creep occurs because it happens. We just have to ensure that we use the following word or acronym YAGNI, which is, I believe is you ain't going to need that or you ain't going to need it. You're not, you ain't going, uh, someone help me. I forget what it is. I can't say it at all. Just say say it like you're from the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't going to need it. (laughs) I guess you ain't going to need it. So I never spoke to my project manager. That was, yo, yo, Bobby, you you ain't going to need it. Don't don't worry about that. So I guess I should start using that phrase in that accent. That'll work out for me. Yeah, drive it home. Yeah, if you ain't going to need it, chances are you can cut down the scope creep very, very, you know, drastically in that you just build exactly what you estimated. And if something else comes along, you can create stories later on to add to that. There's like two sources of scope creep, right? One is us, which we've talked about, but then the other is the stakeholders. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the stakeholder looks at what you've delivered and says, Oh, well, but it's missing these four things that weren't actually in the original story. Yeah. And then that, I think, is where it gets hard to push back. Right. You did have to mention that there needs to be some consistency in the when planning for these stories, that these features are there when they get to see it. And I think, like, part of, like, I mean, this may be bleeding into, like, sprint planning or, like, how sprints are helpful. But if you get to show that to your stakeholder with one week iteration sprints then they can definitely make that change a lot earlier than if you had three months to build this thing and then they have changes suddenly Mm -hmm. yeah right there's a lot of chance to like be like you're not going to need it right this moment but maybe next week you know right you might need it let's let's figure it out then and not now so suppose the team has been dealing with a lot of scope related issues, right? A lot of stories of twos have become threes or fives, even eights. What are some ways you've seen teams kind of handle that particular situation? Well, you could sandbag your estimates and just pretend that everything is a bajillion points. Right. You mean like if the story is a two, then you would say, oh, that's a three, like just to covering you an additional point to ensure that you can get that work done in a three? 
Yeah, but it's like inflation. Then your velocity goes up and then people expect you to be able to deliver more and you got to just keep on sandbagging harder and harder. I see. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Seems like a winning strategy. <laughs> <laughs> then before, it's like, yes, we delivered 250 <laughs> points today. Thank you. <laughs> you don't need that infinity card. Exactly. It's like money in Zimbabwe. Exactly. <laughs> this is a one trillion point story. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> We did three infinities this sprint, <laughs> sprint session. Yeah, so I imagine sandbagging is a like a short way of solving the problem, but at the end of the day, you kind of want to ensure that you're not sandbagging too many times because it will hurt you in the end. Yeah. How do you broadcast scope creep to stakeholders? Like, what do you guys think it's a good idea to reestimate a story mid sprint or just break it off into a different story? Like, what? What approach do you, what do you guys prefer? I like to break it off into a different story. Even if somebody insists on it being done that sprint, then at least if it's in a separate story, then you can point to it and say, you know, this wasn't pointed and it got brought in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think a way to, to ensure the transparency and the work that's getting done is very helpful when you have that system where you can create another story and then say, oh, we had this. It didn't have this particular feature. So we're going to pull that and story into this sprint to ensure we can bring all of it together. I personally like to, if possible, to put it in the next iteration. That way the project manager is aware that these features weren't, didn't exist in that one card and then mm-hmm. may, you know, do the extensive research to asking the product owner and figuring out what else needs to get done in these stories and then prioritize those. Yeah, I, I like that. And there's some visibility. You're shining light on on what's going on rather than kind of sweeping it under the rug. Cool. Speaking of shining light, I will turn on the light in this room. So. <laughs> Blinded. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Actually like to the opposite point of sandbagging, it's kind of interesting where maybe you might like underestimate a story just to be like, okay, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to expose the scope to, mm. The stakeholders should be like, okay, like there are these edge cases that I really want to cover to properly, you know, polish this feature. And you don't want to call attention to, you know, other people who might be paying attention that I'm going to be doing this work in addition to what you've asked us to accomplish for this week. Oh, you're saying so like actually estimating lower than what? Or like working on a story and then coming to a point where you should be making another story or increasing the estimate and then be like, well, no, I don't want people to know about this. So I'm just going to work on this. Ah, I see. <laughs> I mean, but then that kind of messes up what is that particular number, right? Because if you have a two and twos have been known to take a day, but then suddenly you have this two that takes three days and it's like, right. oh, whoa, 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 it's whoa, the two. It's what? the two that took a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're getting back into converting points into time. Yeah, and you kind of want to avoid doing that. Right. You just know that a two is bigger than a one. Yeah, I mean, I guess like a two could consistently start taking more time and energy than a five if like one person consistently picks twos and sandbags. But you'd think that it'd be actually pretty hard to pinpoint if somebody's doing that, as long as it's only one person. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So I think that was uh, just a little bit of story story points and what are some of the things that happened when the point system that you use 
gets used by humans who then may misinterpret certain things and what happens when stakeholders come in and add additional scope creep, how to handle that and continue to deliver. Because at the end of the day, you still got to ship. Got to ship it. Yeah. Always got to ship it. I think we mentioned earlier today, our teacher learns was, Dave, I think you mentioned the planning poker and using that. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Well, I Yeah, I learned about that. About and the fact that they were a real thing, a real... Yeah, I love it. I love I love the physical object in the real world. That's, <laughs> that's always nice. Actually, I, I had another thing that I, I learned about recently as well. So, or learning more about. So, I had seen, you know, kind of really nice demos of GraphQL how you can kind of use it as a query language to get at your database from the front end Mm -hmm. without relying upon like a structured endpoint. And I've been digging around with that a little bit more and it's, it's been pretty fun. Nice. Yeah. There's this nice like graphical graph IQL (laughs) interface that you can use. You can just do brew install brew cask install graphical, and then you get a little client and you can just put the name of the endpoint and, start hitting it with queries and get back results and look at the data dictionary of what all things are out there. It's, it's pretty nice. seems like a good tool for like, you know, iterative development of queries against your, your database without using a structured endpoint. Nice. Yeah. I think I've heard a lot of good things about GraphQL. I think I have to learn that sooner or later. Yeah. It's a new hotness. Yeah. All the cool, all the cool <laughs> kids are using it. Hence why Dave is learning it. He's the coolest of all kids. (laughs) You are the coolest of all kids, Yes, I'm a cool baby. (laughs) What's up, you cool baby? (laughs) Trademark. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, so just going to close it out. I'd like to thank my co-host, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure being on the show. Awesome. And our producer, William, thank you so much. Anytime. And... You can reach us at twitter.com slash radio free rabbit. I'm Michael Nunez, and this is The Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time.